this morning. Proverbs 8, uh, chapter, sorry, chapter 8, verse 12, and part of 13 as well. And then we're going to move around chapter 11, 13, and then 21 as we talk about, um, begin series through the book of Proverbs. Um, last week we said that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, uh, Proverbs is a good job of, of contrasting wisdom with foolishness. So is there something that's the beginning of foolishness? We said the fear of the Lord was both the foundation and the motivation for um, our relationship with God. And so what's the foundation for foolishness? What, what automatically would lead someone in that direction of, of being a fool? Uh, instead of understanding and submitting to God's authority, which brings wisdom, instead of this affectionate reverence for God, um, the fool is someone who, who submits to his own authority, if you want to even call it submission, that they are the authority, and the fool is someone who really just loves themselves. So what do we call that? We saw that with Adam and Eve, the scripture that I read at the beginning. Um, they replaced God's standard with something else, they replaced an, an intimate, deep, close fellowship with God with, with a desire to, to go their own way. And with you know, fruit juice, juice running down their chins, they, they really became fools. They exchanged intimacy for separation. They exchanged walking with the glory of God for walking in their own shame. What they did was they, they turned the established order that God had, had instituted upside down. If God is here and they're here, they said, you know, we want to be here. We want to make the rules. We want to decide what's right and wrong for us. In fact, we want to be like God and we think this is the way to do it. So they, they turned the established order upside down. They place themselves on the throne instead of God. We call that pride. Right? And we, we look at stories like that and we look at it in the society and we, we can point places out where people express pride. Where people take the established order and say, no, I want to do it my own way. Right? And we find examples like that all the time in society. But remember the, the point of Proverbs, the point of wisdom is to take that knowledge, okay, pride exists, to look at our own lives and go, okay, what needs to change? But that's the goal. If, if all we do is look at it in society and go, yep, there's pride, and yep, there's pride, and yep, there's pride, and we pat ourselves on the back and say, okay, I figured it out, then we've failed to heed the message of Proverbs. We miss something along the way. Because the goal is to examine our own lives. Where have I reversed the established order that God has instituted? Where have I exchanged an intimate relationship with God for something else? Well, that's what we want to look at this morning. So two short verses, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 12 and 13. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth 
I hate. Let's pray as we begin. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you would use it in our lives to um, help us to see into our own heart, into our own soul, that we might be different. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. This short little section is almost a summary of last week. It uses a lot of the same terms over and over again. Wisdom, knowledge, discretion, prudence, all those words we used last week, the fear of the Lord we used last week, just a reminder. Right? Knowledge is that thing that we are supposed to understand, yes, this is true. And then understanding or, or prudence, we look out in the world and we go, yep, yeah, that's, that's how it works, and I see that it works that way, and I see that if I do this, this is the consequence, or, or if they do that, that's the consequence. And then really discretion and, and, and wisdom means then I, I take that and I apply it to myself. And then that phrase, the fear of the Lord, right? The, the standard and the motivation for, for our life, for our behavior. And so on the knowledge side, literally the definition of pride is I'm taking the established order that God has created and I'm turning it upside down. Whenever that happens, that's a manifestation of pride. Or whenever we think that's pride, that's what's happening. We really are, we're taking the order that God has established and we're turning it upside down. And so... Wisdom, he says, dwells with prudence. Wherever you find wisdom, you'll find that idea of prudence. You'll find the idea that I have the ability to to look at life and to think through it and evaluate it and say, how does that affect me? How How should that change me? How should that impact my life? What should I do about it? Whenever you find wisdom, you find prudence. That's someone who's evaluating their own life, the truth of what God says. Wisdom doesn't just do that. He He continues, he says, I find, in other words, I'm looking for knowledge and discretion. And then there's something interesting. Instead of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And then there's like this definition of what evil is. And he says it's pride and it's arrogance. And both of those words are, are related to the same root word, which just means high, something that's high. And metaphorically, they've taken those, and there's two words that came from that, that basically, when I place myself in a high position, when I place myself above someone else, we call that pride or arrogance. And what Solomon says is, is that's evil. Regardless of what that looks like, when I reverse the established order that God has fixed, that's evil. And the fear of the Lord or wisdom hates that. We can let that just sink in a little bit. He then says, the way of evil and the perverted mouth I hate. Uh, To pervert something means to turn it upside down, to change it different than it was. He's saying the same thing over and over again. When you take the way God has established the world and you change it, God hates that. That's not wisdom. That's evil. That's sin. It ultimately, we we look like fools when we do that, like Adam and Eve. I've got this, oh man, this is really good stuff and you know, a good juicy peach and it runs down your chin, right? And then they realize... 
oh, wait, this isn't what we thought was going to happen. Yeah, we, we gained some understanding, but our understanding was is that we're not who we thought we were. And then they were ashamed and they were afraid and they lost fellowship with God. So we, we might think, but you know, I really don't do that. I mean, I don't go around thinking or saying, I'm God and follow me, right? We don't, we don't really do that. But whenever we decide that we don't like the way things are going, we've exhibited pride. Anybody this week been disappointed in anything? Nobody? Everybody, everything went exactly like you thought? Really? Has anybody been disappointed this week? Anybody? And, and did that affect your emotions in any way? Did it, did it stir something up? Maybe anger? Maybe disappointment? Maybe pity? Just pause, right? What that is, is that's pride knocking on the door. And if we take that emotion anger or frustration or disappointment or bitterness, and we, we begin to run with that, then we have stepped over into the area of pride because what we're saying is, God, I don't like the way things went today. And so my emotions are going to be affected because if I were in charge, that would not have happened. And we may not use those words, but that's what we're saying. That's what we're communicating. If I were in charge, this wouldn't have happened. God, I don't trust what you're doing. I'm going to reverse the established order. I want to reverse. We, we have a hard time doing that, but we try. I want to reverse the established order that you have set. And that's pride. And the Bible calls that evil. And God hates that. We, we hate the very idea, I think, sometimes that we're small. That we really are, in the grand scheme of things, fairly insignificant. But that's, that's the human condition. It's, it's in our flesh. We can't get rid of it. It's part of who we are. We want to change things so that we're either in control or so that we're happy or so that we're content or so that we're more knowledgeable. We want things to be different. And the Bible calls that pride. Turn over to chapter 11. Just one or two pages. I just want to look at a few places that continues to bring this idea out. In verse 2 of chapter 11... Solomon writes, when pride comes, then comes dishonor or shame. But with the humble is wisdom. All right, that happened in the garden. They thought they could call the shots. They became prideful and then they turned around and all of a sudden, oh, shame and fear. All right, they got what they wished for. They wanted to take the established order and they turned it upside down. And what happened was their world turned upside down. Nothing was ever the same again. And that's what happens when we do that. We, we, 
we look at life and we really want to be in control. And rarely does it go the way we want it to go. And he contrasts that in verse 2, the second half, but with the humble is wisdom. He, he contrasts pride with humility, and that word carries the connotation of, of modesty. Now, a lot of times in our culture, we think of modesty as the way you dress. Right? We, we, dressed, we dress modestly because we don't want to draw attention to our bodies. But that's the purpose of dressing modestly, right? But that word really applies to all of life. Do we behave modestly? That means, do I behave in such a way that I'm not drawing attention to myself? That I'm not, through my actions, through my words, through my outbursts of anger, through my throwing a pity party and feeling sorry for myself? When we do those things, we're not behaving modestly because we're drawing attention to ourselves. We want someone to notice, look at me. I'm upset, I'm frustrated, I'm disappointed, or maybe just out of pride, I'm at least as important as you are, if not more so. That's immodest behavior, or that's not being humble, it's being prideful. And Solomon says that with the humble, with the person who's modest, there's wisdom. Right? In other words, wisdom is almost hidden among those people that don't draw attention to themselves. They don't need to. Because behind that, that desire to draw attention to ourselves is this, this truth that we really don't trust God's love for us. I need your approval or I need to control you so that you'll at least think that I'm powerful. And ultimately, pride is this, this thing that, that says, that speaks to us, that lies to us. You really aren't loved by God. You better figure out another way to get what you need. Turn over a couple more chapters to chapter 13, verse 10. Solomon writes, Through insolence comes nothing but strife, but wisdom is with those who receive counsel. Insolence, another, another synonym for pride. It, it means an exaggerated opinion of oneself that does not correspond to the social reality. An exaggerated opinion of oneself that does not respond, that does not correspond to the social reality. And this person causes strife. Why? Um, the parallel line tells us because wisdom is with those who receive counsel. See, the, the insolent person walks in and it doesn't matter what you do, you're not going to change my opinion. Here's the way life should be and you can't convince me otherwise. Well, that's going to cause strife because in life we need to communicate with one another. We need to be willing to admit that, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't have it quite down. Maybe there's some things... Maybe I'm just even sort of right and there's some things you can add to me, but the insolent person wants nothing to do with outside counsel. See, they're not willing to live in the community that God has placed them, whether that's a neighborhood or a city or a state or a country or a family or a church. 
I don't buy into the, to the established order of God that you've created. And when I don't buy into the established order, that means I'm going to want to change it. And if I'm going to want to change it, the established order is not going to like that. And so there's, what's going to happen? There's going to be strife. I say, oh, well, but I don't do that. Yeah, we do. Because how many of you have ever been upset with a politician? Nobody. We're extremely happy with the way things work. Right? Who establishes the order of government? Now, see, we're at a little bit of a disadvantage, as some people a long time ago just had, you know, dictators, right? We actually think because our governmental system allows us to vote, we actually believe that maybe we're in charge. Right? There's this, there's this weird thing that goes on in democracies where we, we all of a sudden have this power, and so therefore the established government authority really is, is subject to me. We've even written that into our Constitution. We, we think that's the way it's supposed to be, right? And yet the Bible's fairly clear that, that God raises up leaders and deposes leaders at His choice, at His will. So when we find ourselves upset with government authority and we find that affects our actions or our moods or the words that we say, that's pride. Now, the flip side of that is we live in a country where we get to vote, right? You have a God-given right because of the governmental structure that's set up to vote for whomever you want to vote for. What you don't have the God-given right to do is allow whoever's in authority to, to frustrate you to the point where you wish things were different. Because right now, God doesn't wish things were different. He has things the way He wants them. And we scratch our head and go, how is that possible? I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. I do know when we want to change the established order that God has set up through a different means than what is available. For us, what's available is the ballot box. We have the ability to campaign. You have the ability to speak your mind. But if you wish things were different in a different way, that's pride and that's evil and God hates that. And the only alternative if we don't accept the established order is strife. It's bickering and arguing and, and frustration in this turmoil that wells up in us. Why aren't things different? I don't know. And God hasn't chosen to tell me. One more. Chapter 21. Verse 4. Haughty eyes and a proud heart. The lamp of the wicked is sin. It's, a, it's an awkward phrase in English. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, both the outer and the inward manifestation of pride oftentimes come out. Someone who has a proud heart will have haughty eyes. The way they look, it just it's apparent that they're prideful. And then he defines that as the lamp of the wicked. A lamp is used in Scripture a couple of different ways, but one of which is, is that which guides us, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But for the proud person, his own mind is the lamp. If 
The lamp of the wicked is his haughty eyes and his proud heart. Whatever's going through my mind is what's going to guide me. I'm not listening to anything from the outside. I'm right. You're wrong. My guide is what's in here or up here or maybe what I've read that day on the Internet. And he says that's sin. We replace God's Word as the guide and the standard of truth with whatever's running through my mind at the time. It's pride and it's sin. That's what God hates. And it all leads to foolish behavior. The opposite of wisdom. The opposite of, of a presentation to the world of God's wisdom and His majesty and His grace in his humility. But sometimes I think, I'm not that bad. I mean, I really do. I, personally, I look at and I think, I'm not that bad. I wouldn't call myself evil. And I read Romans, the end of Romans 7, Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And I think, he's exaggerating. That's Paul, for crying out loud. He's using hyperbole. That's not really true, right? He doesn't really think of himself that way, does he? Or does he understand something that I often miss is that whenever I seek to rearrange the established order, whenever I look at life and I go, that's not fair. I want things to be different and I allow that to affect my mood and my emotions and I become bitter or angry or I say things that I shouldn't say. Then at that point in time, I really should recognize, oh, I'm not any different than Paul. We should recognize we're not any different from Paul. God hates that. And it's evil. And it's a part of us. And that's why Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And until we understand that that's true about us, I don't think we'll ever understand the beauty of a few verses later when God says, when Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if we understand our wretchedness, then that verse should bring first kind of disbelief. That really can't be true. It really can't be true that there's no condemnation because yesterday something didn't go my way and I got frustrated. And the day before that something didn't go my way and I kind of sulked about it for a little while. And the day before that if we really understood, we would look at that verse of no condemnation and go, that just can't be true. And then we'd read the story where God says, it is true. I gave my son for it to be true. Jesus became wretched for you. Jesus became death for you that there would be no more condemnation. We're going to sing a couple more songs that speak to this idea, that speak to the idea of 
despite who we are, we can walk out that door in a little while rejoicing. I sort of hope you get a little bit of two things today. I mean, I hope that this is hard. I hope that this forces you to look at yourself and go, I, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. Because I'm not just content with life. But at the same time, I want us then to turn our gaze to God. And, and we're going to sing the first song, It is well with my soul. And the only way it can be well with your soul is one, if you lie to yourself and tell yourself you're not that bad. And then you won't change. Or, if you'll trust in God's provision. And then the second song I've gone blank on. Oh yes, uh, just a response to that truth. Uh, let us love and sing and wonder. Because the, the loud voice at Sinai has been silenced. The loud voice that says you have to do, as Crystal talked about, if you don't do this on a daily basis, you're condemned. And that voice has been silenced. So I want you to stand with us and we're going to sing a couple of songs together.